welcome to Health, Happiness and Homeopathy. Hello, my name is Madeleine Innocent. I want to help you reach your greatest potential through holistic means, which are both logical and empowering. Today I have a few topics. The first one is consulting with a homeopath. In the first few consultations, we don't know very much about you. And when I say we, I'm talking about us homeopaths. It's not easy for people to open up to total strangers. So important aspects of you and what affects you can be left out quite unintentionally. People are usually doing other things as well on the first visit or two. So you could be doing another energy-based healing modality, you could be on harsh drugs, perhaps a cocktail of them, and you could be taking other homeopathic remedies. You could be doing all sorts of things all at the same time. This is not unusual today, and we just have to live with it, even though some of them may be in conflict with each other or with homeopathy. They may also be contributing to altering the true nature of your expressions. But generally, we're confident that the right homeopathic remedy will be able to cut through all this, at least enough for us to see. But it may not be obvious to you. So after a time, you may be feeling that it isn't working, so don't come back for the first follow-up consultation. And that's a shame, because we also may be going, going cautiously for a variety of reasons, such as we feel unsure about the remedy because we didn't get good, enough good information. Or we didn't want to cause a healing crisis too early in your treatment without your understanding. And of course, despite clear instructions, people don't always follow them. And this is a really common problem. Think flat pack furniture. We're not always listening. Our lives are chaotic and busy. And there are times we just switch off or perhaps misunderstand. Another problem we have is that people will look up their remedy on the internet, but the internet doesn't cover the 20 pages of one-line symptoms of Arnica in just one of my textbooks. The internet doesn't cover all the processes we use to go through in order to understand an individual. Another problem is that people think they can use homeopathic remedies as they do drugs. Medicine and homeopathy are poles apart. While medicine focuses on the diagnosis, We focus on your signs and symptoms. It's much more individual. If the consultation was for you, a conscious, able-bodied, discerning adult, that's one thing. Obviously, your freedom to choose what you do is entirely up to you. However, when we're treating those who cannot speak, such as babies or toddlers or animals, we need to progress even more cautiously. We don't want to add to their problems. Yes, Compared with medicine, homeopathy is very safe, but everything and anything can harm when not used appropriately. Drink too much water and you may die. Drink too little and the same applies. This is why I always like to ask the patient. Even a baby will know. If they don't want a remedy, they'll clamp their mouth firmly shut. And toddlers are great at letting you know if they want the remedy or not. Animals are too, except those whose instincts have shut down from the barrage of harsh drugs. In chronic conditions, those which last a long time, life happens. So you're going to get good days and not so good days. It's never a nice, straightforward healing process. It doesn't mean the remedy isn't working, although it might. If something big happens, such as a serious accident or fright, 
after starting a homeopathic remedy, that's targeting your overall chronic conditions, then you may need a different remedy to overcome that sudden accident or fright. If, however, you're still experiencing the same signs and symptoms, it doesn't mean something isn't happening. You may not give a second thought to the fact that you're sleeping better, more deeply, or you're not as easily irritated when all you really wanted was your knee pain to go away or your frequent urination to slow down. How would you know that the chronic condition, sorry, the chronic treatment of conditions with homeopathy takes time, that the most important aspects of sustaining life come before any irksome or annoying physical problems? How would you know that the remedy has to unravel or start to unravel all the past harm and toxins that come from suppressive treatment and unsuitable food before dealing with the problems you're experiencing? People are used to getting instant or quick results. That doesn't mean to say it's a good idea. With homeopathy, you should get quick results when treating an acute condition, i.e. something that has just happened and will resolve itself one way or the other in a short time. But a chronic condition won't heal itself. It will always be there until you either take away the maintaining cause or get energetic treatment. So now I want to talk about home prescribing versus professional prescribing. There's, this is an aspect about homeopathy that is puzzling to many. How can it be comparatively easy to get great results quickly from some homeopathic remedies, yet for others it's a lot more complicated? Let's take Arnica as an example. Everyone who uses homeopathy knows the great value this remedy has in treating any and every injury to soft tissue. It's such a no-brainer to reach for this remedy without a second thought after any injury. Yet deeper injuries need, need much more complicated treatments. Why the difference? So homeopathy works on your signs and your symptoms. It doesn't work with the medical diagnosis. So what are the signs and symptoms of every injury to soft tissue? Well, there's pain, and the type is usually an aching pain or soreness. And if you leave it, it'll bruise, showing an involvement of blood vessels. And there's a fear of being injured again if it was serious, so they tend to avoid anybody approaching them. This is exactly the same symptoms of Arnica, so it's bound to work as long as you use the right potency and dosage. Now let's look at Nux Vomica. This is an unrivaled liver remedy. The remedy matches somebody who leads a sedentary rather than an active life. Someone who craves stimulants and can consume to excess. Someone who really feels the cold. And someone who can be irritable. The problems an unhealthy liver creates include an inability to keep warm in cold conditions digestive issues and a short fuse. Living in the West exposes most of us to alcohol and drugs, both medical and social, and in some to excess. Can you see now why Nux Vomica is easily and accurately prescribed? Again, it's a no-brainer, but only in the West. It's not going to be so common in other cultures and countries who don't imbibe on these unhealthy practices. Now let's take Apis. 
the perfect remedy for stings of insects. Why? Because almost every sting results in a stinging pain, swelling at the site with a hard, rosy, tight swelling, which is aggravated by warmth or heat, but improved temporarily by cold applications. These are exactly the same symptoms of apis, so again, it's a no-brainer. Now I want to talk about another remedy which falls into the same category, but you need to ignore, ignore the normal advice out there, which is so wrong and creates so much suffering. When people get a burn, the normal reaction is to pl- apply a cold application on it or run cold water over it. This is medical advice, and it's a very faulty one. Just find a professional chef and ask what they do. Chefs in busy kitchens probably suffer with more frequent burns than in almost any other profession, and a busy commercial kitchen can't afford to have their chefs off sick every time they suffer with a burn. So they follow the natural law, and that's a homeopathic law, like cures like. Remember? (laughs) So what causes a problem can also cure it. So when you sustain a burn, the best cure is to go back to the, the hot stove or whatever. Say you burnt your hand on the oven. You put the area back to the heat for as long as you can bear and as close to the heat as you can bear. But it doesn't have to be excruciating. I won't go into the details of why this happens, but it does work. One of my students tried it out, to her family's astonishment, with great results. No burn mark, no blisters, no pain. And whilst I think this is very laudable, I do prefer to use homeopathy. So cantharis is one of the best remedies for burns. It doesn't matter how bad it is. The worse it is, the higher the potency and the more frequent the doses. Imagine if hospitals used it. Used it. They wouldn't have a burns unit, or only a very small one. Great for patients, but it's not good for business. Again, heat burns are similar across the board. The skin is damaged, there is heat of the affected part, and there are blisters. Cold relieves the pain temporarily, but removed from the cold and it's worse, unsurprisingly. So these common remedies are no-brainer remedies because when everybody has an, um, an issue, they are so good at resolving. Be- sorry, these co- common remedies are no-brainers because if you know the, the symptoms are so common. But once you get into more individual individual scenarios, then the treatment becomes much more complicated because everyone is different. Now you have a greater variety of signs and symptoms. So now I want to talk about cooperation. Every part of our body cooperates with every other part. There's an energetic or dynamic communication. The body wants to stay alive and will go to extremes to ensure it does, even when we're not treating it very well. Of course, there are exceptions to this, when the individual really has decided the next great adventure beckons and it's time to move on. They've done what they came to do, so this life is done. But otherwise, there is a mechanism that always tries to maintain life. Nature is exactly the same. 
everyone supports everyone else. A healthy soil supports healthy plants. Healthy plants provide healthy food for healthy animals. Prey animals provide food for predators. When a plant or animal dies, they're eaten by soil microbes to provide that healthy soil. Perfect recycling, happening all the time. A herd of horses or elephants or any animal, they will create a circle around the vulnerable youngsters to defend them from whatever is threatening them. They care about their families. Pack animals, such as dogs or other canines, they'll look after sick or injured pack members, just as they care for nursing mothers or babysitters, by regurgitating food consumed at the distant kill. All animals are very family-orientated. I've noticed that ants like to carry away their dead, presumably to take them somewhere they deem fit. All animals have the same full range of emotions that we have. They're happy or sad or anxious or frightened, grief, etc. There's a tremendous sense of grief when humans clear land for development, displacing and killing all the plants and animals who were resident there, just as we would be. How would we like it if our house was bulldozed down and we had to find somewhere else to live? And interestingly, that grief is felt energetically by everybody nearby, including us. So you can be feeling intense grief for no discernible reason. Just have a look around. Is there any building work or land clearing going on nearby? Peter Kropotkin was a Russian-born aristocrat turned revolutionary. He lived at about the same time as Charles Darwin, but put forward very different views on evolution. Darwin focused on the competitive side of life, which sadly has dominated society. Kropotkin focused on the cooperative side of life, which is much more relevant. And I've added a link to an article on him in the text. As our world goes through transformation, instead of competing with each other, we need to cooperate, just as nature does, and just as we do in emergencies. I've always disliked the competitive way schools run. Sports are all about doing your best to win. What's wrong with just doing your best? Competition creates rivals. One is better, one is worse. They're creating people with no self-confidence. Sports should be about getting out into the fresh air, learning skills, working in a team and getting exercise. They're healthy aspects with a good sense of collaboration or cooperation thrown in. Is patriotism a political move to keep the idea of war alive? It's a very competitive idea. I've lived in five countries. I don't have any strong feelings of patriotism for any of them. There's good and bad about them all. The people are much the same. Some have different skin colours and speak different languages, but they all want to live freely and they all want to support their families. What are borders anyway? They're political boundaries to separate us. Judging others keeps us separated. That's neither natural nor healthy. 
I believe it's encouraged by the dark side to prevent us operating as we would naturally inst- and instinctively. That is, cooperating, collaborating, just as nature does. Till the next time, good health. <laughs>